0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. You guys are such an obedient group that like, Everybody should have probably sat down when the sit and the skit started, and I saw the guys in the back, they did like the double clutch, they were like, he didn't say sit yet, and it was like a giant game of Simon Says, like none of you could see the skit, but you were like, he didn't say sit, I'm not sitting, and was like, oh God, I want to you should have just sat down, but I do commend you for your obedience. Um, tonight is a special night because we are beginning a brand new sermon series, and you guys are never going to guess the name. You will never guess the name of the sermon series that we're about to do. So I'm going to actually invite you to guess it, um, because you'll never guess it. It is not the book of Colossians. See, keep guessing. It's not Citizen Sermon Series. What is it? Everybody say, build oh. Brand new sermon series. We are journeying through the book of Colossians. And before we go on a road trip, Before we journey, I need to do a little roll call. All right, so there's about 114,000 people here, so this may take a minute, but here we go. Here we go. I need you to stand up when I call your name. I need you to stand up when I call your name. Here we go. How many people here, how many people here are athletes? If you're an athlete, please stand up. All right. Athletes cool, let me see, I'm looking, let me see it, wave to me, wave to me, flex on me, all right, respect on the name, all right, cheerleading is not a sport, I'm just throwing it out there, just throwing it out, hey, I'm just keeping it real, just keeping it real, here we go, I want you to stand up, stay standing, I want you to stand up, I want you to stand up if you're an artist, Or am I, artist, stay standing, no, everybody stay standing, athletes, Athletes stand up, artists stand up. I also want you to stand up if you're in an academic club. So this is like robotics, chess club, Kappa Kappa Chi, um, honor society, math club. All right. All right, all right, hey, for those of you wondering. Hey, for, for, all right, love it. Hey, 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 love it. Listen, listen, listen. For those of you wondering, Kappa Kappa Kai is not a real academic club. Some of you out there that like to sign up for everything, you're like, how did I not know about Kappa Kappa Chi? Um, it doesn't exist, okay? I want you to stand up if you are a musician or a singer, and if you're already standing, just give me a flowery, hello. Hello, all Samantha Holmes, I love your rendition of Vivaldi's Four Seasons, it was excellent. Okay? Theater, where are my theater kids at? Everybody give me an extra wave if you're a theater kid. I kind of have this dream that we're going to start a citizens theater club. Anybody want to join me? All right, all right. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Any writers? I just need to know if you're a writer. Okay. I like it. Hey, everybody quiet. Look at this. Look at this right here. This. This is the true mark of a writer. All the athletes were like, yeah, right? I'm a cheerleader, right? All the, all the musicians and the singers were like, all the musicians and singers like stood up to bow and they're like, oh wait, <laughs> not yet, not yet, right? And then I was like, who are the writers? And they're like, do we really have to acknowledge ourselves? There's a reason I don't talk to people in person. That's why I write to, them. right? All right, take a seat, take a seat. Here's the thing here. Everyone who just stood up, every single person in the, how many of you did not stand up? Was there anybody who did not stand? Is there a, all right, Lila, Brian, Brian, you're an athlete. I've seen you play ultimate Frisbee, bro. That was impressive, all right, for many reasons, for many reasons. But here's the thing, every single person who's involved in one of these things, whether you're a musician whether you're an artist, whether you're you're an athlete, there is a massive assumption. There there is a, a huge overarching reality that is involved in your craft. And it's so obvious that it goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Whichever way you choose to express yourself, whatever your hobby, whatever your craft, whatever your discipline, there is this overarching assumption that you want to grow. You wanna grow no matter your discipline, no matter your craft, you want to improve. There is a momentum. There is something pushing you to the next milestone. And you watch the Gatorade commercial that's like, it's time to level up. And you get goosebumps. Because your entire existence as one of these things is defined, not by your when you first fell in love. Remember when you first fell in love with your craft? Remember the first time you came home from practice and you're like, dude, I love that. The first time you like said the end in your short story and you were like, oh, right? Like, we all, is that what writers do when you're done? No? We'll talk about it later, okay? So when you finish, right, you, 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 you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with one of these things, but that's not what defines you. Your entire existence as an athlete, your entire existence as a writer, as a theatrician, that's a word, as a singer, as a mathematician. It's defined by a desire to grow. There's momentum. It's like all of the things that you're doing, all of your actions, all of your endeavors are marked by this momentum toward the next milestone, your momentum toward growth. You don't want to be the same, do you? You don't want to be on that level for the rest of your life, do you? And so it's your commitment to growth, your desire to move forward that defines you. This hope, the goal of improvement gives everything meaning. And so you know what I'm talking about tonight. But what I want you to understand Just like you cannot even live one day without this overarching subconscious reality of, man, I want to get better. I want to grow. I want to go to the next level. In the same way, that's what being a Christian is like. If I was to do a roll call, And I was to say, who has been saved by Jesus Christ? And you were to stand up. I would stand here and tell you that your Christianity did not finish during the exciting early days of baptism. Your Christianity was not defined by your early days of enthusiasm and passion but that there's an overarching sense of movement and momentum in your life. And I want you to understand that Jesus Christ, his goal in your life is to help you grow. That by definition, to be a Christian is to be someone that God is growing, or as we're gonna say over the next 10 to 12 weeks, someone who is being built up. If you are a Christian, God is at work in you and there's good news. Next year you're going to be different. You guys seen the latest challenge on Facebook, the 10-year challenge? And I was like, I noticed that all of my Have you guys not seen that? Post a, you post your current profile picture and post one from 10 years ago. It was kind of sad cuz all of you were posting pictures of being in diapers. It was just like <laughs> like here's me. My mom was pregnant with me 10 years ago and I'm like, you're such a baby. Right, and then you know you're old when you post a picture and you haven't even changed, and you're like, "Oh, oh man, this is bad," right? Because you've already passed the age of aging. You're just old. <laughs> and so the cool thing is, none of you are there yet. Like I saw, dude, none of you are there yet. You guys are at the stage where where growth is so normal that you don't have to look ten years ago. Look at the first day of school picture. You want to do something even crazier? Go outside in this hallway. Find your picture on the wall from last summer camp, less than a year ago. And everybody goes, oh my gosh, look how little you were. Right? Because you're growing. You're moving towards something. Your life is marked by this momentum. And that's what the Christian life is like. God is moving you forward. He is growing you up. He is building you up towards something more mature, towards something more perfect. It's toward the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what this series is about. We are going to learn how God builds up his church. We are going to learn what it looks like for you to grow up and to mature and to change. And so if you're an athlete, you get this. If you're a musician and a singer and a theaterician and a mathematician, you get this. You want to grow. Good news. In this series, Jesus is growing you. And as we dive into the series tonight, we begin on the ground level. Before we build, we need to understand the foundation. And so I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles. Oh, Yana, you're not ready, Yana. Yana looks scared. You're not ready, Yana. I want you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter one, and we are going to begin in the very first verse. Are you guys ready? Yana's not ready. Are you ready? Here we go, Colossians chapter one. Today we're gonna handle the first five verses called the foundation. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our, good, just making sure you're following around. Verse two, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you had for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Okay, we're going to end right there in heaven, okay? Does this say Ephesians 4? Wow. All right, here we go. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. All right, so... Um, if I were to say to you, once upon a time, what kind, of, what kind of piece of literature is this? Fairy tale, story. If I were to say to you, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars, sci-fi, fantasy epic. If I were to say to you, dear Johnny, that would be a, a letter, right? Okay, cool. This is a letter. And the letter is written by, let's take a look. It's written by Paul. Paul is a man who has been called into service for Jesus Christ. And who is Paul writing to? He is writing to people who live in Colossae. So if you're from Oregon, you're an Oregonian. If you're from Washington, you're a Washingtonian. If you're from America, you're a Americonian, right? And so if you're from Colossae, you're a Colossonian, but in the translation, we're going to lose that last part, so we're just going to call it Colossians, okay? So Paul's writing a letter, and he's writing it to the Colossians, but he's not writing it to all the Colossians. Mariconians, quiet, listen to me. He's not writing to all the Colossians, he's writing to a very special group of people in Colossae, and this very special group of people are called saints. And so I have some middle schoolers up here like, oh snap, that's where that football team's from, dog. Yo, he's right into that football club. No, 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 no. Then I have other people They go, oh, I know what saints are. Those are the super Christians. I know what saints are. Those are the very special people that the Roman Catholics have required them to do things even after they're dead and then they build a statue of them, right? And so how many of you are saints? Yeah, none of you are dead yet, right? Except there's a problem. You see, what we've learned to call saints today, which basically are super Christians, that's actually not what the Bible means by saints, you know that? And so I want to invite to the, to the stage this morning, I want to invite a saint, a live saint who is here, and you guys are going to see a real live saint. Are you ready? You guys, should I bring her in, or are you not ready for this? All right, so listen, be super respectful, be super respectful, she's a saint, and she's all, she's a Washingtonian, so I'm going to invite right now to the front, Sky Dixon, woohoo! Wait a minute, she's a sixth, are you sixth or seventh grade? She's a sixth grader, I thought you were bringing up a saint. Oh, wait a minute, so here's what I mean by saint. We're not talking about super Christians. A saint are simply people who have been set apart by God for God. A saint are simply, so look, here's the whole crowd. There are people from within the crowd who are pulled out of the crowd, and they are set apart, they are set apart... And God says, mine. They're pulled out of the crowd and God sets them apart. And he says, you're now part of my family. You are mine. You did the jump. We were going to work on the jump. All right. All right. So now look. So everybody's sitting there, but these people are set, set apart. Why are they set apart? Because they're now members of God's family. They're set apart by God for God. In other words, friends, saint is simply another name for Christians. You can sit down, thank you. And so Paul is writing a letter to Christians. He's writing a letter to people who have been made a part of Jesus' family. And so Paul, he's he's writing this letter. And he goes, Oh, you're a saint. You're in God's family, God is your father. I'm in God's family. God is my father. That makes us brothers and sisters. And so you're making all the connections in your mind right now. Because to be a Christian is to be a saint. And to be a saint simply means that we're fellow brothers and sisters in Christ's family. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. You're a saint. Look at the other neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. You guys all can't look in the same direction because now you're talking to the back of somebody's head. And you're like, yo, the back of your head is ridiculous, right? <laughs> Say, neighbor, yeah. you're a saint. So now Paul, he's talking to the saints in Colossae, and here's where it gets crazy. Here's where it gets crazy, students. Look up here, look up here. Paul has, um, <laughs> Paul has this like habit, you know? It's it's like Paul. You can't even. It's like almost like a reflex because he can't even help it. It's kind of funny when you see here. But it's kind of like this, right? I'm gonna do something here, and and I just want you to be very in tune with your body right now, and what your body does when I press this button. You ready? So everybody, quiet. I want you to ignore your neighbor. I want you to be within yourself. Three, two, one. How many people got like a little thing going on right here right now, right? Right? You got, how many of you, when you see sour candy, you start to salivate, right? You start to feel like the little jaw pressure right here. And it's like, but you can't help it. It's a reflex, right? It's an instinct. You don't even know it's happening. And so Paul, so Paul has a habit and it's kind of like this. Every time he sees, not Sour Patch Kids, every time he sees the Colossians, Every time he hears the Colossians' names, every time, every time somebody says, "Yo, Paulie," you hear about those Colossians from Colossae, dog. He's like, Shh. he doesn't start salivating. He has a different habit. Look at his habit. Look what he does. It's crazy. Look what he does. Every time, every time, we always thank God. when we pray for you? And so it's like Paul's doing his thing, right? And he's like, "Oh man, you guys want some scrambled eggs? Yeah, I want some scrambled eggs." And, I don't know why they eat scrambled eggs, but it's time, breakfast time. He's making scrambled eggs. And am like, hey, yo, Pauly, why are you making those eggs? you hear about the Colossians? And they like, he can't even help. He's like, Colossians? Yo, thank you, Lord. Hey, yo, Pauly, why are you making that bacon? Hey, you hear what they did down with the papadino over in the Colossians? He's like, oh, oh pa- 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 thank you, God. It's just, it's like, every, you say Colossians, I say thank you. Colossians? Thank th- you. Co- <laughs> I say Colossians, you say thank you. Colossians? Thank thank you. Colossians, that's a reflex, and so every time he hears the word Colossians, he can't help it. He just he can't help but thank God. There's a lot of things you can thank the Lord for, right? What are some things you can thank God for in your life? Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my. Thank you, God, for my math friends. That's way more sense. Thank you, God, for my dogs. Thank you, God, for my. Thank you, God, for my. my Thank you, God, for my, your, your spinach? Who said spinach? Oh, your bunny. <laughs> bunny with spinach. I'm not gonna go there. Thank you, God, for my hearing. What? So well, there's a lot of things to thank God for, but here's what we gotta notice. Colossians. Paul's not thanking God for any of those things. Paul's not thanking God for a single thing In his own life, Paul is thanking God for something that actually happened in someone else's life. And so we see what Paul is thanking God for is not any blessing in his life, he's thanking God for the fact that the Colossians have been saved. Every time he hears the word Colossians, every time he thinks about those people in prayer, he can't help but just go, oh my gosh, God, thank you. Lord, thank you. I'm so thankful. Why? Paul, calm down. It's not a big deal. We're just Christians. It's not like we're famous. Like, why are you so thankful that Jesus saved us? And students, here's what you have to understand. Yo, this is a big deal. The reason why Paul is so thankful that they have become Christians is because becoming a Christian is more than simply checking a box. If Anna Martin simply checked the box, I'm not going, oh my gosh, thank you God so much. What's the big deal? She checked the box. If Lauren Adams simply changed her bio on her Instagram, I'm not gonna go, oh my gosh, thank you God. All she did was change her Instagram bio. If somebody simply changed their religious affiliation, if somebody simply said a prayer, if that's all becoming a Christian was, big deal. But students, becoming a Christian is so much more than that. Becoming a Christian is more than saying a prayer. It's more than checking a box. Becoming a Christian is going from death to life. Becoming a Christian is nothing less miraculous. It's nothing less significant than having a person be dead, having their soul lost in their sins, and God saves them, and he makes them alive. Are you dead, or are you alive? Are you dead, or are you alive? have you experienced God's salvation through Jesus Christ, students? You're in a dead world, right? Every single one of us, every single friend that you go to school with, we're all dead. This is not like a special dead club. Like, dude, we're all born dead. Every single one of us is born separated from God. And so our souls, or we're not living the way we were created to live. Instead of following God, we follow the king of me and we do things, and we participate in things, and you guys live the lifestyles in certain ways that will be judged by a perfectly righteous God. And you're not close to God. You're not naturally born in his family. Just because your mom and dad are Christians doesn't mean you're God's grandson or granddaughter. We are born dead. And you can't make yourself undead. Your friends may want you to think that you can make yourself undead. Culture may want you to think that you can do enough to be aight. Even on the inside, you may feel if I can just do enough good things to outweigh the bad things, I'm going to be set. But I have bad news. You're dead. You're dead. But God, God can do what you can't do. And God sent Jesus Christ to connect you back to God so you can be alive. And that is miraculous. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He takes your hard, dead heart out. He puts a brand new heart in. He gives you His spirit. He animates your soul. He brings you into His family. He washes you pure from your sins. He makes you clean. And He says, You're mine. And for the first time, like a person who's waking up going, you breathe, and you're alive as a part of God's family. It's a miracle. And when we see the miracle of new life, you know what we do around here? Colossians. We can't help but thank God. Colossians. We can't help it. Colossians. Colossians. We, of course, wait, we have to thank God because only he can make people alive. And so we do this thing around here, right? Like when we do baptisms and we see somebody get in the tank and get out of the tank because they're saying to the whole world, I was dead and now I'm alive. Everybody in the audience, you know what they do? Oh my gosh, he changed his Instagram bio. <laughs> oh my gosh, how cute. That little child checked the box. Oh my gosh, look at little Tolly Patty. She, she just said the prayer. You know what we do? Colossians, we're just like we go nuts. Not because you're awesome, not because you did something, but because God made someone who is dead alive. Are you dead or are you alive? Have you been saved by Jesus Christ? Have you experienced new life, students? It's the most important question you'll ever ask yourself. Are you dead or are you alive? The Colossians are alive. The Colossians have been made new and Paul is thanking God. You know how Paul knew they were alive? How can we tell that the Colossians were actually alive? How can we tell that the Colossians didn't simply put on the Jesus jersey and start going to church? How can you tell that you're actually alive? How can any of us know if we are actually alive? Well, you see, there's this app that you can answer five questions and it'll tell you you're a true spirit animal and then it'll tell you if you're really connected to the divine. <laughs> what? It's too complicated. You know how you can know if there's really new life? You know how you can know when you look in the mirror if there's truly new life? You know how you can know when you look at the Colossians if there's truly new life? It's very simple. But you as a forensic scientist are going to love this, Live, You ready? There is... We thank God for new life. I think I made that clear with the jumping, right? But check it out. There's always evidence of new life. We thank God for new life. And we go, excuse me, oh Polly, how do you know they're made new? How do you know there's new life? And he goes, it's obvious. There's always evidence of new life. Every time God makes a dead person alive, we see three pieces of evidence. Every time, every single time. Every time a dead person goes, thank you, God. And we're always going to see three pieces of evidence. I'm going to show you those three pieces of evidence really quickly here, okay? And they're right in the text. And Paul sees them, which is why Paul goes nuts. Colossians! Can't help it, right? Thanking the Lord. And so the first piece of evidence that we see every time a dead person is made to live, we, the first thing we see is faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Check it out. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Let me explain something to you guys. Every time a dead person comes to life in Christ, it's as if the center of their universe has been radically altered. Every time a dead person comes to life, it's not like they're adding Jesus on the side. They're not like, oh, cool, I'm gonna live my life. Hey, yo, Jesus, you got me if I need you? Can you do the little hula dance on the dashboard and keep me safe? It's not just something you add on it. Every time a dead person comes to life in Christ, it's like there's a new thing on the throne of their heart. There's a new sun at the center of their universe. There's something new that they put all of their trust and their reliance in. It's Jesus They're putting their faith, they're putting their trust in Jesus. They're saying, he's the one that I'm gonna look to when I'm not sure what's happening. He's the one that I'm banking my whole life on. He's the one whom I'm gonna build the the building of my life on because he will never let me fall. The word faith has kind of been hijacked in our culture and I hope you don't mind. I wanna take it back, okay? And so I I don't look, don't look because you may be scared. You know, it's like, don't look down. I don't want you guys to freak out. Nobody look. Promise me. So, I promise. I'm gonna point out something in the room, and I don't want you to look because I don't want you to lose your cool. I asked a student before the gathering to climb up in the rafters, and he's right above me. Don't look. Don't look. It's scary. Do not look. Okay? Don't look. He's up there, Johnny. You okay? Yeah. All right. He's up there. Right. And now listen. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I have here a hydro flask. These things are durable. Dinner. And here's what we're gonna do, Johnny. Yeah. When I say jump, I want you to jump down, and I'm gonna catch you in this mug. All right? Okay. How many people do that? All right. Now listen, Johnny's gonna jump down. Don't look, I said. Johnny's gonna jump down from the metal pipe up there, and I'm gonna catch him in this cup. Okay? What? Don't make that face. Don't you have faith? What? Wait, why are you guys making that face? You just gotta believe, bro. You just gotta have faith, right? You just gotta believe hard enough. And here's the problem with that definition of faith. There is nothing trustworthy about this cup. And so a lot of people, they talk about faith like it's wishful thinking. Johnny, if you just close your eyes, man. Johnny, if you just believe hard enough inside of yourself and you just make the jump, bro, it'll work. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Faith is not wishful thinking that something stupid will maybe work if I work hard enough. Faith is not wishful thinking that if I just close my eyes and squeeze hard enough, that something that's totally impossible will maybe work in my favor. When your friends at school look at you and you go, "Oh, you have faith! Oh, blind faith! You don't believe." No, no, faith is not believing in something that makes no sense. Faith is the rock solid assurance that what I'm trusting in will catch me. You know what he has faith in, little Johnny? Don't look, Hannah. You know what Johnny has faith in? When I bring out the giant fireman's net that's meant to catch people from 15 stories up, and I say, "Johnny, just jump," and he goes, "Bet," and he's gone. That's faith. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is enough to take you from your dead, far from God's state, and he's enough to actually connect you to the Father? When somebody says, hey, let's go to God in prayer. And you say, what? I can't go to God. Look how dirty I am. Look how sinful I am. Look how messed up I am. Look how small, how ignorant. Look at all the things I am. And the person says to you, bro, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. Do you believe that Jesus makes up for all those shortcomings because of his perfection? And you say, I believe in that Jesus. That's faith. What do you look to when things go bad? What substances do you turn to when you need a boost? When you feel like the bottom is falling out, what do you run? What do you run to catch all the falling pieces? Is it this? Or is it the only one who is worthy and trustworthy and faithful, the one who has never let anyone down? Every time someone is made from, de- from death to life, we see faith. But we see another piece of evidence. Faith is the first one. Everybody say number one. No, no, I don't want you to say literally number one because I'm going to supply the faith. It's going to be like a call and response. But the irony is that I'm switching the roles. So like you're the teacher and I'm the student providing my intelligence and understanding. Ready? So say number one. Faith. No, 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 you don't say faith. I, I say faith. And so I just need you to say so say number one. Say, ready? One. Faith. Okay. Now there's a second piece of evidence here. And the second one is love. Everybody say Love. You're like, I love this lesson, okay? Look what he says. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Now, here's an interesting piece of evidence here. Every time, everybody say every time. Every time somebody goes from death to life, Every time someone is saved by the loving creator of the universe, they cannot help but turn around and then overflow in love for others. Okay? First John, John says this in his book, First John. He goes, if somebody comes to me and says, I love God, but I don't see love in their brother, they lie. Right? I just love God. I just hate those people. He's like, oh, you lie. You're a liar. So I got to tell you guys a crazy story. This is like totally sidetracked from my sermon. But on the way here today, um, I got in a crazy bad accident. And so I was crossing 192nd and this 18-wheel Mack truck. Like I just, I wasn't paying attention. I was on my phone. And, the, and the, the thing, instead of doing the walking man, it did the hand. And for a second, I thought it was this kind of hand doing this. And so I step out and I got hit by an 18-wheel Mack truck. Boom, dude. And it broke my phone. I was so bummed, man. And so I, uh, and I got like a scrape on my knee and I was just like, oh, silly Mac Chuck. And I got up and I, and I came here today. And so, um, you lie, who said that? <laughs> and you're like, where's the evidence of what you just said? And I go, I scraped my knee. I don't see evidence of what you claim have happened to have happened, <laughs> right? What'd you say? Did you say Hebrew? Oh, English. <laughs> I was doing in the Hebrew. The translation was rough, right? The lights are too bright. I can't hear you. And so in the same way, in the same way, John says, when somebody comes, they go, oh yeah, I got saved by the loving creator of the universe and I experienced all of his love. Yeah. And they go, where's the evidence? And you go, I hate my brother. You lie. <laughs> you see, students, when God saves us, it's more than simply Hey, you, you're good, go free. No, God comes to us in love and he brings us into his family and he expresses to us a merciful, gracious, unconditional love like a father. And when you experience that, it's like your soul shifts. It's like your soul says, who am I to ever hate anyone? Who am I to hold something against someone else when God has forgiven me of my sins? You've sinned against me. It's okay, Lily. I love you. I'm not talking. Okay, hope. It was, hy- it was, a, it was a hypothetical. You know what I mean? There's a reason around here. There's a reason why around here we're very high on reconciliation. Now I gotta tell you, I told you this last week, I can't promise you that if you come to Citizens Youth, that you'll never be at odds with another person. I cannot promise you that you will never have conflict with another human being. You know why you will? I can almost guarantee you the opposite. You know why you will have conflict with another human being in this room? Because James says we all sin in various ways. We all sin, each following his own desire. And sometimes when Sammy's following her sin and Keaton's following her sin and Ethan's following his sin, sometimes I get caught in the crossfire and sometimes I get offended and sometimes I just want to punch something and sometimes people got to catch hands, it feels like, up in here. But then I realize, oh wait, what has God forgiven me of? And so I can't promise you that you'll never be at odds with somebody, but I can promise you that a quick reconciliation, that genuine reconciliation is possible because the God who saved you actually put his spirit inside of you. And guess who God is? He is love. And so we see every person who has been saved by this God and filled with his spirit is marked by love. And so say number one, faith. Say number two. Love, And we see another piece of evidence here. Our third and final piece of evidence. What was your name again? She, she's gone. (laughs) Dude, I've never had a student be so offended that I didn't get their name right, that they dipped. She's gone. She's gone. And she didn't even walk. She must have crawled like under the seats. Wow. All right. (laughs) Sorry, Hope. But, This was your name tag, and I stole it from my illustration. The third and final piece of evidence is hope, not the person, the spiritual gift. Here we go. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. When you become a Christian, when you experience the miraculous, supernatural, death-to-life transition, something happens in your heart and mind you begin to have this realization that you are no longer living for the here and now. I am no longer living for the here and now. I am eagerly awaiting for eternity. My entire life has become characterized by hope. We believe as Christians that the same Jesus who came to die on a cross in our place is also coming back. Do you know that? It's like the sequel. But this sequel is going to be even better because Jesus Christ is not coming back to die on a cross. Jesus Christ is not gonna come back as a baby in a manger. He's going to come back as a champion on a horse, like, and he's gonna have the sword and he's going to finally defeat sin and death and there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more tears. I'm living in light of his return. I'm living in light of Jesus' return. And so here's the thing, your friends in school, your idols on television, those social media 14-year-olds who make more money than I'll ever make in my life because they're stupid, (laughs) their hope is in the here and now. They say, what I got now is all I'll ever have, so I better make it now. What I got now is all I'll ever have, so I better make the most of it now. But Christians are different. One of the most common questions that real quick Christians are asked, do you want to tell you what it is? One of the most common questions that Christians are asked by non-Christians, why would you do that? Have you ever been asked that? Why would you do that? Why would you not do that? Why would you choose to abstain? Why would you choose to go? Why would you choose to just... And our life doesn't make sense because they don't understand that we're living in light of eternity. And so you guys may have remember, I introduced you to my friend, Zach Wable. Remember in the academy? And at 22 years old, he graduated college. And instead of pursuing all the things that 21 and 22 year olds wanna pursue after college, which are good things, God made them. He said, you know what? I'm gonna raise money and I'm gonna move to a third world country and I'm gonna take off my shoes and I'm gonna live among the poor and I'm gonna make friends with them. And that'll be my life and I'll love it. And what did people say to him? Why would you do that? And so my friend Zach had so many people who thought they were doing the right thing, and they pulled him over, and they go, Zach, I want to take you out to coffee, son. I want to take you out to lunch. And they said, now listen here. Right now, you're excited. You're filled with all this enthusiasm for life, and you're, and you're. And I get it, son. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, like, cur- curb your enthusiasm here, but you just, like, you got real life to think about, kid. I mean, you got a job. I mean, you got to eventually going to have a job. You can't raise money forever. And eventually you're going to want a house. You know, you're going to want a 401k because you're going to need the retirement. And you got to remember, you got to have at least a two car garage because, I mean, that's what this day and age is just the American And you got to, you got to, you got it. And they were saying, dude, everything you're doing is not making most of the moment now. And he says, but what you don't understand is that I'm living for something so much more than the here and now and the experiences that I'm going to have in Africa when I see people hear the name of Jesus for the first time and see their entire eternal destinies shifted and God used me in that moment, that, it lasts forever. Your car will be dead in 10 years. You're like, no, I have a Honda, it'll be 15. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do for the first 15 years of heaven? Like we haven't even gotten past the chorus of you are good. You are good. Oh, like that's like, that's 15. 15 years is a blink in eternity. Man, dude, I can't wait to have a fat meal in heaven with y'all. You're allowed to come over to my house and it's gonna be like, you know, like when you're, when you're here, you're marked by like the sun and you're like, all right, it's six o'clock. Oh no, it's midnight. You should probably go home. We're gonna be like, yo, isn't it midnight? Oh wait, the sun is still up. Party. And you're like, I got new bodies. I don't even get tired. Party. It's gonna be wild. And all the introverts are like, I hope there's a quiet corner in heaven. (laughs) You can be in your quiet corner for eternity. It's going to be awesome. That's what we're living for, students. We are living for a hope. Can I tell you something? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you. And and I'll just tell you. There are people at Northwest Gospel Church who live in East Vancouver and Canada. Right? And there are people over the last five years who have given over $200,000 for kids to go to camp. And you know what people say to them who don't understand it? They go, why would you do that? Do you know what kind of investments you can make with that money? Do you know what kind of tuition you could pay for your students? Do you know what you could have done in the stock market? Do you know what kind of car and house and toys and gadgets and the people of Northwest Gospel Church who have given 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, $100, also known as $1000? Do you know what their answer is? Seeing students learn to live for Jesus and have their entire eternities changed is way more valuable than your Apple Watch. I'm living for that. Why would you do that? Because Christians are marked by a new hope. Where's your hope? Where's your hope? What are you longing for? What are you living in light of? And so today, we'll pause here, but what we see before we get to part two, which is next week, what we see is that Christians who are made alive, there's always evidence of that new life, and the evidence is faith in Jesus Christ, love for Jesus' family, and hope in Jesus' future. And so as we wrap it up tonight, I have, a couple of, I have one question, and then one encouragement for you. The first question I have for you is the most important question you will ever ask yourself. Are you dead or are you alive? Are you dead, student? Are you separated from God? Are you living life for yourself, thinking that one day you'll get your act together? Are you dead or are you alive? Have you experienced the miraculous regeneration of a heart that was dead and now... (gasps) comes alive as Jesus Christ saves you and brings you into his family. And so maybe you're here and you're saying, Sam, like I, I hear you, man, I really love to do this, but I just like, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to, 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 to be a Christian. I don't, I don't think, I'm, I have, I'm still learning. I'm just here to observe. And what I wanna tell you is this, that's okay. You're in the right spot. This is not a Christian club. We don't check your Christian ID at the door and say only Christians allowed in the Christian country club. We say we want to be a place where students at this most pivotal time in their life are trying to figure out who Jesus is. We say, come here. Come to camp. Come kick it with us. You're allowed to be here so you can come close enough to us to hear our message. But the last thing you wanna do if that's you is try to fake this. Because then what's your goal? I just want to belong. Dude, be you. Be yourself. Be honest. Ask questions. It's okay. But maybe you're here and you're saying, Sam, I I think I'm alive, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see a lot of evidence in my life. Sam, I've gone to church. I've said the prayers. I've even been baptized. And I I just don't see a lot of evidence right now in my life. And that's why Peter says, he goes, examine yourselves. Make sure, confirm to yourself that Jesus has saved you by adding daily one to another the evidence here. Seek the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to build you up up, and to help you grow. Add to your faith love and add to your love hope in increasing measure. Because as you do this, student, all that's going to do it's going to make you that much more, more sure. Wow, Jesus really has saved me because I see the evidence of his spirit in my life. So the first response that I'm asking you today is are you dead or alive? And this is the second thing I want you to do. Band, you can come up here. It's the second thing I want you to do. And we're going to, the band's going to play just as an instrumental for a moment. I'm going to give you 60 seconds and you're going to write something down for me in your notes. And then you're going to go and hole punch them in the back and buy a notebook so you can be cool. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what Paul does. I want you to do what Paul does. What does Paul do when he sees evidence in someone's life? Colossians. He thanks God for the evidence. He sees evidence and he goes, God, thank you, because only you could have brought that about. So he thanks God for the evidence, but you see what else he does? He's so sneaky. You didn't even notice what he did, dude. He's such a savage. Not only did he thank God for it, he's telling them that he's thanking God for it, which means he's encouraging them. By telling them how he thanks God, he's encouraging them. Hey, Danae, I see this in you. You can rejoice. God has made you alive. Hey, Olivia, I I just want to tell you, I thank God every time I think of you because I see evidence in you. Let me encourage you. God's at work in you because only God can bring these about. Hey, Anthony, dude, I just want you to know, I see evidence of God's at work in you. And what would our culture be like if we were quick to point out evidence? My friend Hannah Nishaw, Hannah, stand up. My friend Hannah Nishaw here, I'm gonna tell you a secret about her. She is already very aware of all of her shortcomings. Hannah knows her sin better than you know her sin. So you don't need to tell her. She already knows. You don't need to gossip about her. You don't even know the half of it. She already knows. But you know what she needs to hear? She needs you to encourage her by pointing out evidence. And so when you see evidence of God's spirit making this old dead person a now new living person, tell her, would you? Tell her. When you see friends in your small group who already know their sin all too well, encourage them where you do see evidence of new life. You look in the mirror, and the person in the mirror looking back at you already knows their shortcomings all too well. Look for evidence and do what Paul does. Encourage. Encourage your soul. Thank the Lord. Because if you see evidence, if you you see a little bit of a pulse, if you say, wow, God has made me alive, then we're good, because you're going to grow then it's okay because you're gonna mature. And yes, you make stupid mistakes like a 16-year-old because all 16-year-olds make stupid mistakes. And you're like, not me, I'm 15. (laughs) You're gonna grow. And so what if in 2019, we became a community that just encouraged one another? because the more that we encourage one another the more that we train ourselves to look for evidence of God's new life the more we go God thank you for that person and what you start to do is it's psychological you start to train yourself and every time somebody says Ethan Adams I can't help but go thank you every time somebody says Emma and Megan Cherry I can't help but go Lord thank you because I've trained myself I see the evidence and God can only do the evidence and so it's simple math where I go God did it thank Here's what I want you to do right now. Get your pens out. Get your notes. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock, Mr. Caleb. 60 seconds, okay? And I want you, you're going to write a quick bullet list here, and you can choose yourself or you can choose a friend. And I want you to, to consciously look at their life. Where do you see evidence of God's Spirit in their life? Where have you seen evidence of God's Spirit at work in your life and so 60 seconds write down those bullet notes if it's to yourself you can gift it to yourself you can send it in the mail and get it a week later and be surprised or maybe you can text a friend tonight or talk to them or at Sonic and just go hey man I, I just want to encourage you dude God really is at work in your life 60 seconds go